is going on, everybody? Welcome to the very first episode of the X Factor podcast. I'm your host, John Blair, alongside Damien Severi, Sean Quinn, and Matt O'Rourke. How is everybody doing today? Doing great. Thanks for asking. You know, I got to repeat after Damien, doing great. Thanks for asking. Yes. (laughs) All right. So um, I think without further ado, let's just get right into our topics. Let's talk about Joe Burr. And the Cincinnati Bengals, okay? They are in the Super Bowl. Who would have thought, you know? They went from being one of the worst teams in the league to just making the Super Bowl. Give me your thoughts. Start with Damien. You know, watching this watching this all happen gives me a lot of hope for the Jaguars. You know, draft number one quarterback, <laughs> go, to the, go to the Super Bowl next season. I have hope for Trevor. I think he can do it. Just for everyone to know, Damian is a Jaguars fan, um, and let's just say he's not doing so great right now. He's not doing so hot. Back-to-back first overall picks, not a good look. All right, Sean, you may take on uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals completely confuse me across the board. I have no idea how this roster has made it. If you look at their roster from top to bottom, it's a bunch of dudes that are solid but not nearly at the level of past Super Bowl con- competitors. I think of Super Bowl teams, and I think of the Pats. None of these guys would be on any of those Pats teams. Shadobi Awuzie would not be a starter on the Pats. Eli Apple would not be a starter on the Pats. They don't have what it takes on defense to get it done. And Matt Stafford is going to be the fourth-best quarterback that they face in the playoffs, third-best quarterback right in front of Ryan Tannehill. I mean, and they also – Zach Taylor's not really a great coach either. So it's really just Joe Burrow against the world out there. Could argue Trey Hendrickson. He's a he's a monster. Did you see what you got? You guys see what he was doing in the playoffs? I mean, it's not what we expected, though. Let's be honest. We expected them to be walking home after that game in Tennessee. Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. How do you win that game? Evan McPhear got. He is. That's why you draft a kicker, I guess. All right, Matt. Give me your thoughts on the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, man, Joe Burr has been spectacular since entering the playoffs all season. He's been great. But they are getting demolished by the Rams in the Super Bowl. (laughs) Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller. Ramsey! Ramsey. (laughs) Joe Burr ain't surviving. All right. Uh, I think that's a good segue into the other team in the Super Bowl, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, What do we think about that? Uh, Matt Stafford finally getting to the Super Bowl, something he could never do in Detroit. Uh, one season in L.A., he gets there. Uh, what you got, Matt? I think you're very passionate about this. Yeah, man, I think Joe Burr is a fluke. Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, going to make him his kid. 12 sacks this game. Aaron Donald, Super Bowl MVP. Matt Stafford's going to have a field day. It's not going to be fun for the Bengals. You know, Matt, I, I completely agree with that. The defense is too good for that. They got Eric Weddle making, like, they get big-time plays over there. And then he's going straight back to the retirement. They also got Leonard Floyd. There's just no possible way. If you double-team anyone on that Rams defensive line, then another player is getting free, and you can't stop three dudes coming at you at the same time. Pause, bro. Yo, yo I don't mean it like that, man. It ain't got to go like this, Damien. <laughs> man, I mean, it is what it is. I agree, though. I also think we got to talk about the matchup. Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it's... It's, I think it's a premier matchup. It's a premier matchup, for sure. Jamar Chase has met his match in Jalen Ramsey. You know, you guys all think the Rams are going to win. I'm going to rock with Joe Shiesty. 
I think he's coming out with the victory. I think that he's been cold-blooded for the entire playoffs, and I think he's got one more game in him. And I think that offensive line, it's going to struggle for sure, but Joe Burrow's got that pocket awareness. Uh, so I think that he's going to be able to get that done. Uh, he's going to get that bag. He's going to get that Super Bowl MVP. Um, Jamar Chase going to win his rookie year. It's been great. All right. Uh, how about the rest of the playoffs? Because all playoffs, it's been pretty interesting. Uh, a couple overtime disputes to just game-winning field goal after game-winning field goal. Uh, what game do you guys want to talk about? I think uh, there's one particular one in mind with a certain good quarterback named Patrick Mahomes uh, and Josh Allen. So, Damien, I'll kick it off with you. What do you think of that Bills-Chiefs game? I thought that game was amazing. I also thought it was inspirational. 13 seconds to drive down the field, get them back to tie it, go into OT. I Speechless. I'm speechless. Personally, I think that this game was defined by the Bills' inability to build around Josh Allen the right way. They didn't have the D linemen available to uh, create pressure and force Patrick Mahomes to make any th- any real throws under pressure. They didn't have an O-line to give Josh Allen any time like how Patrick Mahomes had. And it was just awful to watch from my viewpoint. And for Stefan Diggs to go out there and get seven yards receiving, that's just pitiful. Yeah, man, I mean... That was one of the most exciting games ever. I mean, two of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks there are right now, just going at it. Just going at it. I mean, I that was the most fun I've ever had watching a football game. You know, I, I wanted the Bills to come out, upset the Chiefs. Didn't happen. I was a little sad, a little. Didn't get to see my boy Mitch get out there, get a win against the Chiefs and Mahomes. That's all good, man. I saw Mitch who? Mitch Trubisky. Backup quarterback on the Bills, number 10. Former Chicago Bears quarterback. Um, he's in the Pro Bowl, actually, if you guys didn't know. All right. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, this game was amazing. It was one of the best playoff games or normal any football game in the past decade, maybe. Uh, and I think that um, at the time there were many overtime disputes, people thinking the rules should be changed. But I think the Bengals kind of put that to rest when – they lost the the coin flip in overtime, and they still won. So I think those people who preach defense wins games, and overtime especially, I think they they got that point right. And I think that uh, Joe Burrow proved everyone wrong and that you don't need to win the coin flip to win a playoff game. It's just it's ridiculous. This playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've enjoyed almost every single game except for that Eagles game. Um, so... But one game that I really wanted, uh, that was really great, I think, was the Rams versus Buccaneers game. Uh, and as we all know, that ended up being Tom Brady's last NFL game of his entire career. And uh, Damien is part Jaguars fan and part Patriots fan. He 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 likes Brady. That's I think that's safe to say. Uh, Damien, give me your thoughts on Brady's retirement. You know, it's upsetting because my whole life I've been able to turn on the TV, watch Tom Brady throw the ball, win Super Bowls for the Patriots. It's been it's been nice. Uh, it's It was upsetting to watch him leave the Patriots, especially after throwing a pick six to Logan Ryan. But Giants legend. now to see him actually leave the field, it's, it's upsetting. But, I mean, he left such a great legacy out there, always played his hardest, always tried to win the games, always was there for his team. 
It's inspirational. Uh, he never did get that uh, victory over my guy, Eli Manning, the now uh, sportscaster with his brother. You know, brother been carrying the legacy. So I'm just happy that uh, my Giants got two of them against Brady. So, uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady? <sighs> I got mixed feelings, man. I got to be honest because for – I thought 15 years of my life, Tom Brady has been public enemy number one. He's been the guy, and I have been the guy to hate that guy. And then he left, and Tampa Bay was born. And, you know, seeing videos of drunk Tom Brady celebrating a Super Bowl and showing all that personality that he never showed in New England really made me actually like the guy for once. And the aspect of not being an AFC quarterback also helped so I, I came around to finally support a brother for the last two years of his career and I, I mean I the Steelers play the Bucks next year and I genuinely wanted to see Tom Brady whoop the Steelers one last time I'm not even playing <laughs> yeah I mean big Brady fan big Gronk fan Gronk's probably gonna go soon very sad yeah you know and you know, Brady is the undisputed GOAT. That's the truth. No, you disagree. You're wrong. And, you know, I don't... It's just a legendary career, legendary person. He's a, the GOAT. Yeah. Um, it's a real shame, man. Uh, end of an era, you, you'd say. You know, Rodgers, not, he's not staying in Green Bay. That's, that's just a fact. That's a given. He's leaving. Breeze retired. Phillip Rivers retired. Ben's gone. Big Ben, uh, you know, so it's really an end of an era, but I'm happy that we have so many good young quarterbacks to carry on the torch um, and, you know, make NFL exciting. And I hope, I'm happy now that there's some competition um, now for the future of the NFL because it's not going to be Tom Brady winning every single game or every Super Bowl, you know. All right, but as a Giants fan, I don't get to experience many playoffs. Um, at least since 2016. So one of my favorite things to talk about is the NFL draft, and I'm not alone on that. Uh, Mr. Sean Quinn, he really likes talking about the NFL draft, almost to the point where it makes me, a Giants fan, want to lose the ability to hear. So um, what we're going to do now is we're going to have Sean Quinn go through his top ten. Don't worry, guys, it was going to be a straight seven-round mock draft, but we, we brought it down to ten. And now, here's Sean Quinn giving you his top 10 NFL draft picks. You know, I got, I got to start off. Number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got to be taken. Edge, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. The entire Jaguars facility should have potential written across it because that's the only moves that they should be focused on. Any moves that involve potential, athletic, long dudes that can really do stuff against other guys. And so you got to focus on what he can do in the future instead of what he can do right now. His athleticism sets him apart from everyone else. And his technique is a bit raw, but you can refine that in the NFL. Number two, the Lions. They're going to get Aiden Hutchinson right here. And he just he's a Michigan type of guy. He's a Detroit guy. He's from Michigan. And, uh, you know, uh, Dan Campbell is a pretty hard-headed type of dude. 
So getting a lineman here fits what he would do. He's physical, tough. He's got good technique. His athleticism isn't on par with Kayvon Thibodeau, but he's more NFL-ready than anyone else, and he should make a splash instantly. Number three, the Texans should look to pick up Evan Neal, and this will be to protect someone who could potentially become the guy in Houston, Davis Mills. And Evan Neal, he may not be the best O-lineman at this moment, but he has the potential. Six foot seven, athletic, speedy guy, strong. He can do. He can get it done for the Texans. He's played multiple offensive lineman position at Al- positions at Alabama, and he was coached by an NFL caliber coach in Doug Marone. He's gonna be able to get it done at the next level. Maybe not instantly, like Pene- how Panay Sewell struggled for the first couple weeks and then finished off as an All Pro level dude, but. He's going to be able to get it done. Number four, the Jets taking Edge, George Karloftis. Ooh, Karloftis. Robert Sala has been rumored to go with the linemen throughout the entirety of this offseason. And that fits everything that he, that he wants from a player. He's a physical guy. He's probably the best D lineman available. Last year they went quarterback at number two, so this year they could look to pick up their franchise defensive player at number four. And Karloftis can get it done on the other side from Carl Lawson, which they definitely need with the lack of pass rush. And number five, the Giants are going with Ikim Ikwanu, tackle and a Ikim is a very versatile player. He can play guard or tackle. He's a complete menace, to be completely fucking honest, dude. A menace. He's pancaking dudes and pointing at them and laughing. I mean, that's just exactly what you would want from a dude in New York. Let's go, EK! For for the rest of his career. Number six, the Panthers would go Charles Cross to fill their tackle spot. And they could potentially go Kyle Hamilton to... Pick up another generational safety across from Jeremy Chin. But right here, tackle would be more important than the safety. And Charles Cross is just the best dude available for them. Number seven, Giants would once again go O-line with center Tyler Linderbaum, who has shown that he is one of the best offensive linemen in years past. His positional value at center brings him down a bit, seeing as there hasn't been a center picked in the top 18 in the past couple of years. And now he's coming in, and he's going to be able to refine the Giants' interior, interior line and give them the quarterback of the line. Number eight, the Falcons would take Edge David Ojabo with uh, their selection. Ojabo is very raw as well, very athletic. He may be very inconsistent in the run game and a problem at times. However, his pass rush ability is above that of George Karloftis, and his potential is through the roof if he can improve in the run game. Number nine, the Broncos are selecting linebacker N'Kobe Dean. 
And Dean is a very athletic dude, undersized, but he's smart. He understands what what to do in his position, and he's going to be able to get it done for a Broncos defense that has featured the likes of Alexander Johnson as their main dude in the middle of that defense. And I understand you may go quarterback here. However, I believe that the Broncos will trade for a veteran quarterback, whether that be Jimmy Garoppolo or Aaron Rodgers or any of the other guys mentioned in trade talks right now. Number 10, the New York Jets select Kyle Hamilton. And Kyle Hamilton's probably the best prospect in the draft, but his positional value drags him down to the point of barely being a top 10 pick in the draft. His speed, coverage ability, and everything about him tackling, his awareness, his reaction time, everything about him makes him a top 10 pick, top 5 pick. And if the Jets don't take him here, then any team that does will have taken a steal. And he may be, he will definitely be able to replace the likes of Marcus May and may be able to live up to what Jamal Adams did for them prior to being traded away off rip. All right. Uh, thank you for that very short top 10. Uh, I know you can go all seven rounds, so I'm proud of you for keeping it to 10. Um, but you know what? I've had enough of this NFL talk. Uh, let's let's shift to the National Basketball Association. Um, as we know, they just came out with their full NBA All-Star lineups, including starters and reserves. And uh, I just want to know how y'all are feeling about it. Um, there are a couple guys that I think definitely got snubbed. It's uh, blasphemy. All right, let's start with Matt. Matt, what you got? It's blasphemy. Chris Middleton in the All-Star game in 2022. Are we being serious? Over players like LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, LaMelo Ball. It's just ridiculous. LaMelo averages more points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. The Hornets are the only team in the East without an all-star that are in the playoffs. Like, it's it's just it's crazy to me, man. And guys like Deontay Murray should have made it. Jared Allen could have made it. And, I mean, I just don't think they did that good of a job. Obviously, it's tough. I like that Garland made it. That's my dog. And, yeah, that's how I feel. All right. Uh, that's a pretty strong take. Um, as a fan of the New York Knicks, I understand the feeling of not having an all-star on your team. But Sean, a Miami Heat fan, does have an all-star on his team. Just give me your take. Jimmy Butler should not be an all-star. Whoa. Okay. For this Heat team to feel the pressure, I wish that the that Jimmy Butler was not voted in as an all-star in order to give these guys the underdog mentality that I really wanted them to have, to be honest. Bam Adebayo not being an all-star, I understand. He hasn't played enough. He's better than some of the guys there, but he hasn't played enough. Tyler Hero not being an all-star, I understand. He's been great this year. However, he's a six-man and he's not better. He's at least not that much better than some of the guards in there. And Jimmy Butler is be- is good enough to be an all-star, but he's missed a lot of games. He may get that all-star starting spot over KD after KD is replaced. And I don't know who could have replaced him, but there's got to be someone that they could have found. Miles Bridges. Miles Br- 
Exactly. My right. that's good job. Oh my god, dude! Are we, <laughs> are we about to make? Are we about to kiss? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, all right, Sean. So you say Jimmy Butler should not have made it? Who would have made it over him? Miles Bridges. Just Miles Bridges. That's it. The dude averaging like twenty-two. Well, I mean, if you think about, I think Jimmy Butler is the best player on his team. That's not the case with Miles Bridges. Um, I think. Jimmy Butler also gets it done on the defensive end better than Miles does. Yeah, no, he definitely has better the D than uh, Miles Bridges. Okay, so um, let's just be clear: the Eastern um, All Star reserves are Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Jason Tatum, Fred VanVleet, and Chris Middleton. Um, the Western All Stars are Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, at least with the West, I have a little... It's just the fan votes, man. They got to go for me. Um, Andrew Wiggins should not be an all-star, um, period. He's an all-star starter, which is um, ridiculous, in my opinion. Uh, I think that that should that spot should have definitely gone to Carl Anthony Towns as a starter. Um, and I don't even know who would have made it over Wiggins on the reserves. It, there had to be someone. I'm just not thinking of them right now because I'm so mad about it. All right, and uh, that's my take. Let's pass it to Damian. Well, I'm not really into basketball. I'm not the most knowledgeable person. All I know is fantasy, and if we're talking fantasy, I know that DeMontis Sabonis is a god. I, I, I don't really know what he's done production-wise for his team, but I know that he's been putting up constant 20s, 25s. He's been a carry, second best on my team, so I would say Sabonis should have made it. I don't... I don't know for who, but he should have made it. Yeah, that's facts, Damian. Back, back, backing off of what you said, Andrew Wiggins <laughs> is an all-star worthy caliber player. And uh, to As a starter, though? As a starter, no. But based off the missed games from other players, not having Clay and seeing him step up, he deserves to be recognized for all that. And As a third option. It's just a better option. As a second option without, without Clay. Okay. He's the second. He's the third best player on his team, really. But he's the second option on offense, and it's a fan vote, which obviously fan vote's got to go, man. But what you got to understand though is that he was the second best option on the best team in the West for a while, and uh, now that Clay's back for how many games he played? Like ten? Something like that, maybe less. Yeah, Clay has not played very much this year, and yet Andrew Wiggins is still putting up 18 a game and still playing good defense. And with the missed games from other star players that could have been all-stars, he's got to be mentioned as a bench player. Someone that I would have started above him since since the NBA is all position-based. It's got There's got to be some forward in there. <laughs> it's Cat. Cat's got to be the guy. Who are you putting Wiggins over, though? I mean... Wiggins is probably making it. I mean, you know, Draymond Green, probably. Because, no, listen, Draymond has been hurt for the past, like, month, okay? Andrew Wiggins has not had a month-long injury like Draymond has. And someone else that maybe could have made it would be DeJounte Murray. That's a front I court, agree. Dude, but I'm not talking starters. Oh, okay. I'm All talking right. in general. Another quality all-star level dude, DeJounte Murray, is someone that actually deserves some recognition. And if he was on the East, 
then he definitely would have gotten that all-star nod. No, I would not go that far. Yes, he's better than Darius Garland. I don't think so. Are you serious? I, I'd rather have Garland. Garland <laughs> taking is taking him over at least Van Vliet. I think, yeah, Fred Van Vliet. I would rather have LaMelo over Fred Van Vliet. I would personally. have Fred Van Vliet over Darius Garland. But um, I think Garland, he's proven himself this year. He's the number one option offensively on a playoff team. Um, He brought the Cavs back from no man's land. Colin Sexton went down, and no one expected Darius Garland to do what he's been doing. Um, He deserves an all-star spot. uh, And um, I say, due to the fact that his team is in the playoffs and DeJounte Murray's is not, I'd rather have Garland. It's just a matter of the Cavs being an actual solid team this year with all those big men actually performing. With everyone seeing that they were starting Laurie Markkinen as their small forward and Evan Mobley a power forward and Jared Allen at center, I don't think anyone believed that they would be a top-five team in the East come February 4th of 2022. And Darius Garland has been a great part of that, but Evan Mobley continuing to impress has also been has also led to that and Jared Allen is actually averaging something around 16 a game which I didn't know was possible for someone like him you know when I think about that though I think how many of those 16 points or whatever come off of Darius Garland assists on lobs or pick and rolls or same with Evan Mobley, too. Uh, I think Darius Garland does a really good job of setting his teammates up for success. Um, I don't think DeJounte Murray does that as efficiently as Garland does. I don't think he's as good of a passer. Um, I don't think he's he's a better defender. I'll give DeJounte Murray that. He's a much better defender. Um, Garland's a better scorer. Garland's a better facilitator, I would say, more efficiently. And, uh, yeah, that's why I think I'd rather have Garland. Johnny, I think I think that... You're underrating DeJounte Murray's playmaking ability a bit you because are. he has oh. little to no shooters. Who does it? Doug McDermott? Mark in. L- no, DeJounte Murray. No, oh. Murray, Murray, Murray. Oh. No, Doug McDermott has Doug his best McDermott. shooting. That's about it. Yeah. I think uh, Calvin Johnson can stroke yeah. it. He's, he's shot um, way better this year. Yes, however, he's averaging with, with less around him. What shooters does uh, Darius Garland have? Well, I mean, it's. Laurie like, Markkinen? Warmarkin is a good shooter. Yeah, but he's seven foot. He can't really do anything. Just shoot the ball. Like Kevin. Well, that's, that's kind of what he has done. Though. Well, yeah, he plays good defense, but on offense, he can really shoot the ball. What else can he do? Well, that's not really. And he shoots the ball probably mismatches. just as probably. Yes. Yeah, but that's not. That's you have a mismatch a every single time to start too. the game. Okay. Unless you're playing the Nets. Actually, the, the Nets have KD at like power forward and Nick Claxton. Oh, Nick Claxton, that's that's uh, that's not... Okay. But DeJounte Murray is averaging 9 assists a game and 19 a game, while Darius Garland is putting up 8 assists a game, and the whole load is on DeJounte's back. <laughs> <laughs> while Darius Garland is over here with Evan Mobley helping him out and Jared Allen taking off pressure on defense, and... Overall, the whole it's tough to score on Cleveland in the paint, and so. Well, I mean, Garland doesn't really have any other ball handlers. That's true. That's him. true. Yeah, However, Murray's got Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Lonnie Walker. You create. Look, I mean, I think that if you take off, um, 
DeJounte Murray off the Spurs, I think that um, he, the Spurs are just as good. They might be a little bit worse. They probably will be, but um, they're not already. They're not good right now with DeJounte Murray. Probably I think him. if you take off Darius Garland from the Cavs, I think that they're uh, worse than the Knicks are right now. That's yeah, just absurd. That's just absurd. I don't think that is. If we're going no point guards, then they're point guards. Yeah, if Rondo, you take off Garland, if you take, that, that's, that's purely death, because though. of in- injuries, though. That's purely because of injuries. If they if they still had Ricky Rubio, <laughs> yeah, but we're if we're taking Garland off of the Cavs right now, they're not gonna win anything. The Spurs so, were in contention with the Grizzlies purely because of Dejounte Murray being able to will them in that game and Drew Eubanks. Becoming Nikola Jokic 2.0 for a good two minutes prior to being benched. Did they win that game? They did not because they benched Drew Eubanks. We need to free Drew Eubanks. Okay. I'm starting it right now. At the free Thaddeus Young, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's young? probably true as well. Thaddeus Young is... <laughs> he could probably play any position that you tell him to at this point in time. Thaddeus Young was a sleeper last year for my fantasy team. I saw Bulls players got injured. He started to go in, started to go off, averaging 20 points for me. Free him. He doesn't deserve to not be played. All right. Well, um, I think we can all agree that Andrew Wiggins should not be an all-star starter. Um, he, he, he might be good enough to be an all-star reserve, um, but definitely not a starter. Um, I think that that's just blasphemous. Uh, but moving on. Uh, let's talk about some uh, NBA trade rumors because we are nearing the trade deadline. And so, you know, that's when the teams pick up the phones, start making moves. Uh, we've already seen a couple moves so far. Uh, it might, we got Cam Reddish coming to the Knicks. That was pretty exciting uh, just to see him sit on the bench. Uh, and then today a move went down where it was Norman Powell and Robert Covington going to the Los Angeles Clippers in exchange for Eric Bledsoe. Justice Winslow, rookie Keon Johnson, and a Los Angeles Clippers future second-round pick. The Clippers, I don't think they have any picks ever at this point in time. Um, that went down today. And uh, the Clippers, it's very apparent that they want to compete without, without Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. Um, and I think the Blazers are ready to blow it up. I think that they know that it's not going to work with or without Dame Lillard um, and C.J. McCollum. So I think that at some point that tandem is going to be split up. And uh, I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, there could be a chance that Dame Willard comes to uh, my New York Knicks, and I would not be opposed to that, let's just say. Um, I'd like to see a lineup of Dame Willard, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Mitchell Robinson. But that won't happen because Tibbs would probably bench Dame Willard anyway. So um, moving on to bigger fish in the trade market, there are many, many stars that could be on the move by next week. Um, we're looking at guys like Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, Karis LeVert. Pretty much half of the Indiana Pacers roster could be gone by next week. Um, we're looking at guys like De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento, uh, Julius Randle in uh, New York. My, I, I mean, if he gets out, then I'm okay with it. Um, and uh, is there anyone else? Or Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Uh, I think uh, that uh, the Sixers GM, he said that he wants to hold on to him until the offseason, which I think is pretty dumb. Um, but you know, John Wall. John Wall. Uh, that could be a guy on the move. Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, you get the rest of them, Sean. Dennis Schroeder would save. Pacers. Dennis Schroeder would save Boston about five million dollars if they got him off the books tr- prior to the trade deadline, and obviously it'd free free Dennis Schroeder from having to wear the number seventy one ever again. <laughs> 
He's he, his rotational. He's been in and out of the starting lineup as a healthy player, fairly healthy player throughout this year, and so I'm not really sure what the Celtics want to do there. They need a better point guard or at least better point guard play, more consistent point guard play, and a much better bench in order to compete without having to wear down Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But James Harden is another name mentioned in trade talks. With the 76ers, um, who might want to make an all-out push to help uh, Joel Embiid uh, not carry everything the Sixers have right now. Um, what would a deal like that have, do you guys think? I would probably include Ben Simmons, maybe Tyrese Maxey in a first. Uh, maybe more. I don't really know. I'm not a. I'm not the GM. I'm not Daryl Morey. But what they need to do is, on the on the Nets side of things, they should make sure that James Harden is happy there because his level of play isn't at what they're paying him for. However, this, is, this isn't this is going to be a consistent thing, and he will end up coming around. These new NBA rules have affected him, at the, affected him at the start of the season, but at this point he's improved and he's more consistent, much more efficient. And the Sixers, they need to go on in, in order to help Joel Embiid if they have any hopes of winning this year. If they want to go into the offseason with Ben Simmons' contract and try and trade him then, then that would give them a chance to pick up more players and they would have a chance to make a big splash there. However, Ben Simmons would have sat out an entire season and teams may be questioning whether or not he's ready to play again at an NBA level for the, after sitting out this long. But the Sixers have a good guard in Tyrese Maxey, and now they just need someone else. Yeah, Ben Simmons is not getting traded. I mean, he's just going to be sitting in his home in Philadelphia, watching the Sixers get bounced out, probably the first or second round. And it's just Joel Embiid, it's going to be the first round. Yeah, and then in the offseason, stuff's going to happen. I don't know what, but he's not going to be on Philly ever again, at least playing on Philly. And, yeah, you know, for other trades, I think the Pacers are about to blow it up. Sabonis, Turner, maybe Brogdon, maybe Levert. I don't, I don't see the Pacers continuing just being mediocre year in, year out. For the Kings, Fox might go. I don't think so. I think the Kings are going to just chill. I mean, my Knicks are uh, they're talking about uh, Randall for Fox swap. Um, that would not make Damien happy. Uh, he's a big De'Aaron Fox supporter. But um, I would personally love a move like that. Um, I think Julius Randle has proven game in and game out that he just doesn't really want to be there. Um, he want, he he doesn't help up his teammates when they fall down. He doesn't he, – he, all he does is argue with the refs at this point. He just whines, complains, takes bad shots, plays no defense, uh, shows no effort whatsoever. So I think a change of scenery for him is probably what's best. Um, and I think – De'Aaron Fox would be a very good swap for the Knicks. Um, I think the the Horn, or the Kings rather would get a very good, strong bully ball type of forward that can help Tyrese Halliburton and uh, Davion Mitchell uh, develop. And I think that the Knicks would get that dire need of a point guard, just get someone that can run an offense because Kemba Walker at this point in time is just absolutely nothing on offense and defense. Um, he has never been good defensively, but his offense has made up for it. Um, so it's, it's, it was a good signing at the time. It was cheap. We didn't think he'd be this bad. 
Um, and Evan Fournier, uh, he's been coming around recently, but this year he's proven to be one of the worst offseason signings for the Knicks. And um, I think that uh, Julie, getting rid of Julius Randle would um, help R.J. Barrett develop into the player that he can be, that he's shown flashes to be. So I think it's just time for the Knicks to move on and get rid of Julius Randle's big contract and get a point guard to help R.J. Barrett. Can we just roll that back? Did you call Julius Randle a bully, a bully player, man? He, you know, he should be. He's not, but he should be. He plays like he's Kyrie Irving, as Stephen A. said, where he dribbles around the perimeter and takes contested shots. Except with Kyrie Irving, they go in. Um, Julius Randle, they just either hit the backboard or the back iron, or sometimes they don't even hit anything. So, um, Matt knows. I traded him in fantasy to Matt. Um, he's been having a great time with him. Um, yeah, I don't. I think he knows he's getting traded. He does not care at all. I mean, he, he's there's got to be something in the works. I think at this point in time, it's his, it's in his head. Um, I think that he does not. He doesn't have any confidence in his shot to that the shot's going to go in. I think that it's just time to move on and get a change of scenery. Um, oh, you know, Kaiden, Kaiden and Jace, uh, Randall's two kids, they could have a chance to shine in Sacramento, get that nice California weather. Um, but, you know, I think that with the Knicks, it's just, you know, it's time. It, he brought the Knicks back to to re- relevance last year, which was beautiful. The Knicks, um, the Knicks needed that direly, but um, – at at this point, they're just going backwards. They're they're not talented enough to compete with these other teams, um, and I think everyone knows that. And Tibbs runs the same offense every single game, even though it doesn't work. He runs the same starting lineup. He refuses to make a change. He refuses to put in Cam Reddish, who we traded for, gave up a first round pick for him. Uh, he just sits on the bench and collecting dust. And I mean, that in itself is creating an uh, a bad a poor expectation for him once he gets in that uh, rotation and uh, the fans are going to expect him to do better than he probably can at this moment in time and that's just not good for anyone so Tibbs and Julius Randle's fluke season have put the Knicks back farther than where they were before so on that note I think that is a good spot to wrap up the first episode of the X Factor podcast um we should be recording weekly this has been a great time I'm happy to get together with everyone and uh Hope everyone stays safe and have a good night.